Welcome to Ed Council Insights. This is our podcast to provide insights into new developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a Missouri school leader, school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you are in the right place. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that comes up every spring, but has had a few developments over the last couple of years, and that is campaigning for ballot measures, or more specifically, how to not campaign for ballot measures. Um, With the introduction of a few additional or enhanced penalties for violating the rules surrounding campaigning for ballot measures and the use of district funds for that purpose, uh, we thought it was good today to talk about some of the issues that commonly come up, including uh, campaigning, use of district funds, use of district resources, What does it mean to be neutral so that you're not advocating for something as opposed to simply providing the public with some general information and as well as some of the technical rules about the paid for by requirements and committee requirements. Lots of different issues that come up for districts in the context of trying to pass a ballot measure. So today we thought we would kind of go through some of those issues and I have with me my partner. Rachel Mystead. Hey, Rachel. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. I, I think this is a pretty significant topic, not just for those that have a ballot measure uh, that they're looking to pass this spring, but also for anybody just to kind of know what the contours are. And some of these rules would not be limited to ballot measures. They would also apply to board candidates and candidates of all kinds, right? Yep, that's correct. We, as you know, political subdivisions have lots of rules that apply to us on the regular, and um, campaigns are no exception. So, well, let's. Uh, where do you want to start with this one? You know, when you when you kind of look at it, most of the time we get questions about flyers or use of district resources, or perhaps you know, employees during their work hours campaigning. Uh, usually, that's the superintendent or the like but also use of district funds for various things and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So from a legal point of view, when you get with that kind of call, where do you start? So the first place we always start is the state statute that relates to advocating or not advocating technically, as we alluded to in the podcast title for ballot measures or candidates. And that is section 115, 646, of the Missouri statutes, if you um, want to take a look at that, because you don't have anything else going on this weekend. But specifically, that statute says um, districts are prohibited from using any public funds to advocate, support, or oppose any ballot measure or candidate. And so that's the very first place we start anytime we get a question that relates to campaigning ballot measures, candidates, that sort of thing. And one thing that's really important to note that more recently, a violation of the statute is now a class four election offense, which is a misdemeanor under state law. And so, you know, where we might have been not as conservative in looking at, you know, the questions that we get under that, um, that fall under that statute, it's really important that we, you know, do what we can as much as possible to meet the requirements of that statute. I think that's an excellent point. You know, what I've been telling people and is that uh, given that that's the change, I would 
pass through legal counsel any questions about whether something, you know, for instance, if a particular flyer is, you know, is that advocacy or it just informational purposes and, and that line, those judgment calls, if it's issue, close at all, if I were a superintendent, I'd certainly be seeking out counsel and asking for their opinion on it. And, you know, you're going to have to play the cards, as you said, Rachel, in a conservative fashion, right? Completely agree. Yes. And like you're, you know, mentioning here, as long as, you know, that doesn't, the statute doesn't prevent districts from putting out any information. We just have to make sure we're not advocating, supporting, or opposing anything that is on the ballot or a candidate. And so, we can put out things that are neutral and factual. And so when you're kind of trying to decide what that line is, we are happy to help make that a little bit clearer. Well, you were talking about the statute and its applicability now. Does that play out the same way for staff as it does for our school leaders, our administrators? And is it the same for board members? How's that all uh, break itself out? So the number one thing to keep in mind here is that for all staff and individuals associated with the district, in your personal time, you can do, you can campaign, you can advocate, all of those sorts of things. But what we need to be sure of is that no district resources are used. And so for our staff, like our teachers, for instance, that line is going to be easier to draw because they have set hours, they work, you know, certain days of the week, and then they go home and they have personal time. So as long as they are not using their school computer, they are not making personal calls while they are on work time regarding campaigning, those sorts of things, that would be okay. And that's easier to define. It's different, as you're mentioning, for administrators um, and specifically superintendents a lot of the time because there aren't set hours And I would probably say some superintendents feel sometimes like they don't have any personal time. And so um, since the line is not as firm, superintendents and administrators, um, depending, can can advocate, can talk about ballot measures and campaigning and that sort of thing on work time because they're always essentially on the clock to some degree. But we need to make sure we're not sending emails from our district computer. We're not um, using our district provided cell phone to make calls. Just really keeping a separation between the resources that we use and our, you know, as much as possible. Well, let's, uh, I kind of want to unpack this whole idea of use of district funds a little bit. And um, that's very helpful about the administrator staff distinction. But, you know, when it comes down to the use of district resources, we're talking about any sort of use of uh, a district resource, right? I don't care if it's a, a copy machine to make one copy of a flyer that is advocating for a ballot measure. That would be enough to be a, a violation, right? Right. Copy machine using district email for those staff who are on the clock for certain periods of time. If they are using their work time, that is a district resource. You know, pretty much anything that has ever come from the district provided by the district would even go so far as to say if they're on your district wi-fi that's going to be a problem now using those resources you can use them if what you're doing is simply providing objective information about the ballot measure as opposed to advocating or trying to support the ballot measure right that's correct yes 
So uh, when we're talking about the use of district funds or district resources, we're talking about if you're going to be doing something that is arguably support for the ballot measure. And so we're going to have to kind of get into that issue. <laughs> and that's usually, I, at least for me, and I think for maybe for you too, that's usually the question that we get asked, right? Is it, okay, is, is this advocacy or is this informational purposes? And what can you tell us about, I know that line's uh, kind of a, not really a bright line, but more of a gray zone, but you know, what can you tell us about what you look for to determine if something's advocacy versus just informational purposes? So it's, it can be very hard to draw, but a lot of times when I'm looking at flyers, or emails or things like that. I'm looking for words that really tend to promote the purposes of asking for, say like a levy increase. So if we're wanting to use that money to raise salaries for um, for retention purposes, um, for hiring purposes, and we say, you know, we wanna attract quality teachers because they're all going to neighboring districts because we can't pay them enough, something like that. First of all, probably your teachers that you do have might be kind of mad that you're saying that you don't have any quality teachers that are coming to your district, but also the fact that we are saying that quality teachers, usually we try to remove any sort of promotion of the levy or the increase and focus solely on the factual nature of the purpose of the levy. So if we are wanting to use that money to increase salaries, we would say, the purpose of this levy will be to increase staff salaries as opposed to that kind of subjective or promotional language. And there's some subjectivity in that, right? In making that judgment call. And that's where I think it gets tough. And you can't just look at one piece of it, right? You've got to kind of look at it collectively, meaning that you've got to look at the, you know, everything that's on that particular flyer, that communication that's going out. So that when taken in total, it, you know, does this appear to be that they're advocating one way or the other, or is it simply informational? Is that fair? Yes, I agree. I mean, we've looked at it even so far as if there is some sort of clip art on there that has a check mark next to Prop B, for example. I mean, that could be seen as you asking someone to vote for Prop B. And so it's really, you know, you're looking at it as a whole and you're looking at pictures and fonts and bold face versus not. Um, it can kind of, it can be a lot, but it's necessary to ensure that we're not in any hot water regarding meeting that the requirements of the statute. Okay. Well, let me give you, let me ask you this one, because I think it's kind of fun to get into this, but you know how people will name their ballot measure? You know, and, and I'll just use support our kids kind of thing. Okay. When you reproduce that and you put that in your for information only, air quotes, flyer, are we okay? Or do we need to be thinking about that name because it's arguably supporting or advocating that ballot measure? Those always make me nervous because <laughs> essentially when you're reading them, I mean, when you're promoting something like that, you're handing someone a flyer. What you're saying is if you don't vote for this, you don't support our kids. And who wants, you know, who wants to hear that? And of course, that's to me, that's always going to be advocacy. Yeah, that's I think that's a tough one because, uh, you know, it, it usually you, you've got 
some sort of nomenclature like that, some sort of phrase like that that's a catch catchphrase or a slogan that's uh, that is generally positive about the ballot measure. And th- that's how it's being identified in the district. And so it's 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 kind of tough. And if you if you identify it with something, some other name, then it almost is like, OK, well, are they going to get that it's connected to the same thing that has been out there everywhere else under a different name? So, well, you know, we're talking about materials and um, how the, how that works. And usually it seems like to me that's where a lot of the questions come from. What are the requirements, Rachel, for disclosure of who the materials are paid for by? So I think there's a common misconception that paid for by disclosures are only required on printed materials that advocate for a ballot measure or a candidate, which of course we can't do. So it, it becomes this question of, well, since we're neutral and we're providing factual information, does that have to be included? And there is a different statute that does require paid for by disclosures to be included on printed materials. And that pretty much includes any sort of printed material that you could ever imagine, even if it's neutral, to include a paid for by disclosure. And if you're not an individual, so like a school district, it has to include the legal name of the school district. So usually the name that's listed in your very first policy in your policy book, as well as your chief officer, so your superintendent, and the district address. And so it has to say, you know, paid for by a school district, superintendent's name, and the address on that, even if it's neutral. And this is pretty much, you know, it's signs, handbills, flyers, anything like that. And including anything that's just neutral informational purposes only, not advocating or supporting, it still has to have that disclosure on it. That is correct, yes. Okay. So you're, you know, those disclosures you're talking about, um, would uh, apply specifically to printed printed materials, but there may be a different set of rules when you're looking at electronic materials and the like, emails, website, that sort of thing. So, you know, like a lot of our Missouri statutes, they haven't really changed with the times so much. And so whenever the statute was written, printed materials were, you know, what everyone used at the time. But the Missouri Ethics Commission has received questions and they include an FAQ on their website that states that they are interpreting that statute to require this paid for by notification on websites or any sort of electronic communications, even though they, you know, somebody may not print them out because it is lettered and you're using um, certain funds to produce those those also have to have the paid for by notice on it. And that's included in the FAQ on the Missouri Ethics Commission website, as I mentioned, and we can uh, include that link in the podcast notes for you all in case anybody wants to take a look at that. Good. I think that'll be a good reference for folks and get them inside of it. You know, the MEC has a wealth of information available on its website. Some of it's a little bit difficult to access, in my opinion. And I I know they've got a lot of information to cover. And so I'm not trying to be critical of them. It's just that it's a lot uh, sometimes, and it can be difficult to find the exact answer you're looking for. But um, it's all there, I think, Uh, is just getting through it all and kind of sorting through it. You know, one other area I want to touch upon, Rachel, if we might, and that is about committees. 
you know, what are the requirements in terms of committee formation? And, you know, when do you even have to have a committee if you've got a ballot measure out there? So committees um, have to be formed by groups separate from the district to some degree. So, of course, the district cannot form a committee with district staff while they're doing committee work on district time. But you could have a group of community members that may include people who work for the district who want to set up a committee to help get the word out about your ballot measure. And those committees are required when there's a group of individuals set up to accept money and spend money to support a ballot measure. But the committee only has to be formed if that committee receives more than 250 bucks from a single contributor or if they receive a total amount of contributions of more than $500. So if you have a committee with a small budget, they're going to make up a few signs or some bumper stickers, something like that. It's possible that they won't have to form a committee. And this is specifically a campaign committee. If you're looking at the uh, Missouri Ethics Commission website, those are the rules you're going to want to pay attention to. But if you have a committee that is probably going to be receiving and spending more than $500, they're going to have to set up an actual committee and get that registered with the Ethics Commission. Any particular resources that you would point people to about the formation or registration of committees? Sure. So there is a flyer on the MEC website that has a flowchart that really helps explain when a committee needs to be formed. And then they also have um, some information about what filings need to be done, what the process is for that. And we can put those in the podcast notes as well. The FAQ document that I mentioned earlier regarding uh, websites and paid for by notices has this information in in it as well. So we'll, we'll make sure that we provide you some links Great. Uh, I think we can add those to the podcast notes and uh, people can access them there. Just by way of closeout, Rachel, anything else that you want to make sure people know about takeaways, about how to not campaign for ballot measures? I think it's just it's important to kind of really be, be able to take a look at what you're putting out or have others take a look at what you're putting out, like your attorneys, of course, to make sure that if you're using district funds, you're being as factual and neutral as you can be. We're always happy to help take a look at those, but, you know, given the new potential for legal ramifications and criminal violations, it's, it's just going to be important that we do what we can to meet those requirements. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today to provide your thoughts on this issue. I know it's one that we've received a lot of questions about of late and we'll likely receive more between now and April, but thanks for taking the time, Rachel. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, listeners, for taking the time today to listen to Ed Council Insights. We hope you'll follow and share our podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes on current legal topics and issues related to school law. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or you can check us out on our website. Just Google Ed Council, that's E-D-C-O-U-N-S-E-L, all one word, and you will find us there. Glad we could be together today. And thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights.